you are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. And one of the things that I love the most about Jenny Kane is how seamlessly all of their staples go together. Their iconic styles truly, truly make getting dressed so easy. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, so think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off. Now, if you love sweaters, Jenny Kane has an unrivaled selection that will become your new obsession. They are known for their super luxe yet lightweight sweaters, and they do cashmere pretty much better than anyone. My Jenny Kane Everyday Sweater is hands down one of my favorite and most versatile sweaters that I own. First off, it is so super soft and cozy, I feel like I am getting a hug every time I wear it. And its wool cashmere blend makes it a great option from fall through spring. For those cooler summer evenings, Jenny Kane also has a great selection of cotton and linen sweaters. And if that wasn't enough, they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase. Find your new staples at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com. So JennyKane.com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. I'm a huge fan of preparation and prevention, and one of the most impactful and immediate ways to influence maternal and infant health is through nourishing nutrition. But honestly, when was the last time any of your providers had a meaningful conversation with you about eating habits and prenatal supplements? Prioritizing nutrition can truly change perinatal health for the better, which is why when talking about prenatal supplements, I'm proud to partner with Needed. They've redesigned the prenatal vitamin from the ground up based on the latest clinical research and in-practice experience of testing thousands of pregnant people's nutrient levels to know what they actually needed, not just to meet some bare minimum needs. And what I always tell my clients is that even though they're called prenatal vitamins, you should continue to take supplements during postpartum and beyond because your body still needs so much nutritional support. I love that at Needed, they understand this and have different plans to make it easy for you to meet your optimal micronutrient, microbiome, and protein needs. They have a fertility support plan, a plan for each of the four trimesters, and a lactation support plan, just to name a few. Needed is recommended by nearly 4,000 doctors, midwives, doulas, and nutritionists, and is proud to be the first perinatal nutrition company that's B Corp and climate neutral certified. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. 
Hello, hello, mighty parent or parent-to-be. Welcome to Birthful. I am Adriana Lozada, and as part of our Movement and Body Wellness in Pregnancy series, today's stories come from Adriana Aleman Crane, who's had five births, but we're really only going to touch upon her first two, and really, most of the focus is going to be on the first one, because Adriana had the longest prodromal labor that I've ever seen to date, and I've been doing dual works since 2007. Now, if you have no idea what prodromal labor is, it's when labor starts but doesn't quite organize in a way that creates cervical change. It's what used to be called false labor, but really there's nothing false about it. And if you experience prodromal labor, it doesn't mean that something's wrong, but it can feel like your body's taking its very sweet time to get to the birthing part. Prodromal labor can taper down, it can stop, it can start up again. It can be really annoying, frustrating, and even painful. And as you'll hear from Adriana, it requires a lot, a lot of patience. Also, if you are having prodromal labor, sleep can be glorious, if you can get it. And acupuncture can be just what your body needs to help organize labor and move it along. One thing I wanted you to know before we start is that misoprostol is the generic name for cytotac. And in the episode, you'll hear that Adriana had cytotac as part of the induction process for her second birth. And then during our recent episode on acupuncture with Dr. Boswell, he and I talk about the use of misoprostol. So basically, it's the same medicine in case you wanted to connect the dots. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Hi, Adriana. Welcome Hi, how to the are show. You? Good, good. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for willing to tell your story. And we were just commenting off the air that you were saying that you wanted to tell your story because looking back on it, it's almost comical. Tell me more about that. It's so funny. For my first birth, you know, you have these grand ideas of what it's supposed to be like and, you know, you're water breaking and rushing to the hospital and none of that happened for me at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was in prodromal labor for a week, Um, started late on a Saturday morning and I went to the hospital numerous times to be checked and they're like, no, you're, you're not even dilated yet. You're, you're just, these are contractions that you're having. And I'm like, no, I'm in real labor. <laughs> it is comical. Yeah, because so it, it feels like real labor. Yes. And for a person who's never done contractions before and never had a baby before, you feel like this is it. You're like at the end of your pregnancy, you've built all of this anticipation and you and your partner are trying to, this is new for the both of you. So you don't know what to expect. And when my contractions were like pretty spot on, we thought, this is it. This is great. You know, I was already late with her to begin with. So I was super excited that this could be the end. And it wasn't the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just the beginning. It was a very slow end. <laughs> yes. And we got to do full disclosure and say that I was your doula. Yes. So I do have inside information on that. Like I, I was there for most of this, not for, for yeah. some of it. I wasn't with you for a whole week. <laughs> no, my husband was with me for the full week, but 
you were there for a good portion of it. Yes. You helped us through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, take it from the beginning. Walk us through this lovely birth story. It was great. Now that looking back on it, it was great. In the moment, it really wasn't. But mm-hmm. my labor started with some pretty good contractions pretty regularly um, on a Saturday morning. And it. I remember walking around my yard, having contractions and going. And it lasted probably for a couple of hours before we were like, oh, this may be it. Let's go to the hospital and, you know, see if, this, see if our baby is coming. Um, at the time, we didn't know what we were having. So the anticipation mixed with the anxiety of, oh, my God, I don't know if I can do this, um, made us really excited. So mm-hmm. when we packed up and left for the hospital, and I got there and checked into triage, and they were like, yep, your contractions are pretty regular. Now, you know, we're going to have to do a digital exam to, to see, you know, where you are in your labor. And when they said, oh, honey, you're not even dilated. <laughs> it was just like heartbreak for me because I felt like I had, I was all of this work that I, I felt like my body was putting into it. And I was nowhere near the end. <laughs> like, I haven't even started this marathon. Yeah. you And you'd been at it for hours already. Oh, yeah. I've been at it for like a good portion of like a good day. And I know that the beginning point of labor is is where your body puts in the most work and the, you know, to deliver a baby. And I thought, oh, good. This is this is it. I can do this. And then when they told me that I wasn't and it was just like somebody had like deflated my ball mm-hmm. of joy. <laughs> so we went home and, you know, it was rest and, and trying to eat, but I was still having these contractions and I would still have these contractions on point every, you know, five to eight minutes they were coming. I remember trying to sleep and waking, waking my husband up in the middle of the night with contraction after contraction. And, you know, again, another day went by and we thought that this was it. I remember laboring in a tub Mm-hmm. and feeling like I had to push and running to the hospital thinking, oh my God, this is it, and getting there and it not working. <laughs> and and I remember that. Sent home again. <laughs> yeah. I remember that when you got in the tub then because your patterns, the, the contractions were getting longer and stronger and closer together. And yeah. when you were in the tub, your demeanor was similar to a person getting close to transition. So it did make sense on all angles to go to the hospital. And we were all baffled. And it wasn't like we weren't trying things because, you know, you were doing lots of great things and moving. And we tried some of the different positions from from spinning babies and you at some point went swimming and were doing inversions oh. in the pool. <laughs> I, I was swimming. I was swimming in my neighbor's pool thinking, you know, I was doing circles, like laps, just walking around in laps. And I can remember my husband sitting at the side of the pool with his little phone, you know, checking, <laughs> checking in every contraction. Oh. And I remember trying to do handstands. I did a couple of handstands thinking that if the baby could come back out of the pelvis and realign better, that it would get me in a better position to then help the transition and help the contractions come. So I did handstands both in and out of the pool. (laughs) I did a lot of like side laying and some side massaging to try and get things going. I mean, if somebody suggested to like do jumping jacks, I probably would have. <laughs> At that point, I was gasping for straws yeah. to try and 
help my contractions become real. And I mean, they were real because I felt them, but I, I needed them to work in the way that they were supposed to work. Right. To be productive. By helping me dilate. Yes. I got acupuncture done during this labor, um, had tacks placed. I remember massaging the tacks between my shoulder blades, behind my ears, on my ankles. Those were pretty helpful. Looking back, um, so helpful. I used them for my second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It was just it was a week of back and forth to the hospital. I was back and forth. You know, I was I was admitted overnight um, for observation, and they gave me therapeutic rest with the morphine and Senergan. And they were like, "Well, we'll you know we'll check you in the morning, and hopefully this will help you rest so your body can do the work." I woke up the next morning, and it was nothing. And this was day day three or four. Yeah, <laughs> Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday evening, I think, right? Yeah. You, you spent the yeah. night there. And so you definitely needed to get some rest and needed some some help because it had been Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of not sleeping yeah. properly. Correct. And I, I, I did sleep that night. There was a couple of times that I did wake up because the contractions were so bad. And all I remember is like when they would wake up, I would look over at the toco monitor and I would see like 40s and 50s and I would get really excited. I'm like, oh, yes, those are good, strong contractions. Like those are what I want. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up the next morning, they're like, you haven't moved at all. And I was like, oh, so just like disheartened. <laughs> I'm still very tired. Um, but they ended up sending me home and we did a lot of bouncing on our birthing ball and I, I had to eat at that point cause I was so dehydrated and tired and just ready. I was mm-hmm. just ready. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I just want this to happen. Like, I just want this to be real for me. We had waited so long for this baby and I just wanted to meet her. Yeah. I just, I wanted to see who this little person was. Mm-hmm. I'm looking over at my notes. So that night that you went to the hospital and were able to sleep, at that point you were two centimeters. So things were inching, inching along, but there wasn't near enough progress. And I remember before going to, to the hospital that you were at a very low point then because you were so exhausted. I was. It was a mixture of I'm tired. I'm, you know, trying my best. I remember that I did feel like I was like, I just want this to happen. And I'm the only person that can control it. My body is the only thing that is controlling whether or not this little person comes out of me. And I just felt like my body was failing. And I had this like glorious birth plan. And like, you know, I was going to go into birth right away. And labor right away and I was going to, you know, have all these grand themes and like nothing was working. Mm -hmm. And what scared me, I had a fleeting thought was, oh my God, am I going to be able to to birth this baby? Like, is this my body saying that you're not ready or the baby's not going to come out vaginally? You're going to have to have a cesarean. And that was really scary. It was really scary because that was not in my birth plan at all. (laughs) But it's, it's labor. I mean, no one controls labor except for your body. You have no control over it. And I'm a very controlling person. So it was very eye-opening to me. And I was at a low point. I was like, oh my gosh, nothing's going right. I think it was exhaustion too, that I was in labor for so long and I wasn't going anywhere. 
Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths per day? That is so many breaths. Now, according to the EPA, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to a hundred times more polluted. So then what is the solution for cleaner indoor air? For me, it's Air Doctor and their line of superb air purifiers that have captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and many more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes all kinds of pollutants, such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that can make you sick. Plus, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code BIRTHFALL to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And exclusive to podcast listeners, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O. Dot com, so airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code BIRTHFUL. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email so you need to send her image separately or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. I find that after you did get some, you know, proper sleep with the help of medicines overnight, the next day when we spoke, you were in super high spirits, which was uh, inspiring to me because looking at it from the outside, you know, you've been at this for four or five days now. And we're still on the starting line and 
it is completely normal that you would be exhausted and at a low point and all this. But then that next morning when we spoke, you were so upbeat and cheery. You were like, just like that sleep really transformed you. And you were so optimistic again. And that was impressive to me. Sleep is a glorious thing. It really, you know, can revive a person and can make you wake up with a new perspective on things. You know, after speaking with my doctor and speaking with you, speaking with my husband, it was just like, you know, this will happen. Your baby's not going to live inside you forever. <laughs> he or she will come out and it'll be okay and you can start your life. So I think that was my perspective. I had to stop focusing on my body's not doing it. My body will do it eventually. I needed that. Like I needed for everyone to say, it's okay. Like this is okay. It's it's not a science. There's no exact way of saying your baby is going to be born today. It's going to happen right now. Nobody has that control. And I think it had to, I had to lose that control for myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I did that is when things really started to progress. Cause I started, I stopped being beating myself up about it. So I think that's what helped. Um, I ended up going back and they ended up just admitting me. I think it was only two or three centimeters, but they were like, okay, you know, you've come back and forth so much during this week. I think we're just going to admit you and we'll see how things, um, things progress. And I just remember the contractions getting closer and much more intense. I don't remember a whole lot from that Friday night. That was my final admit date. Um, I do remember <laughs> trying to sit on a ball at some point in time. And I remember doing lots of walking to try and kind of move things around. Um, I do remember my water breaking because I was in a deep sleep. I was sleeping when my water broke and I had thought I peed the bed. Like <laughs> I thought I had fallen asleep and I thought I had peed the bed. Um, they had given me, oh, I can't remember the, medication that they gave me it was a pain it was like a one-time dose pain medicine yeah, um, just so that I could yes it was new vein and that made me sleepy so I think everyone in the room I think everybody was so exhausted that everyone slept and all I remember waking up and sitting up in bed going oh my god I think I need the bed <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was scared. I I didn't know, you know, you see in the movies, the water breaking, it's this glorious, like a rush of water. And mine was more of a trickle. Mm-hmm. And mine was like, I honestly thought I'd pee the bed, but luckily my, my water broke. And, um, it was a sign for me that things were happening, that yes, things are moving. That was, that was a really big turning point for me. It was really, really helpful for me to, to finally be like, yes, this is happening. Unfortunately, because my baby was so late, um, I did have meconium in my fluid. So it was a little bit of a concern for me, but not enough for me to um, be super worried about it. And I just want to I want to briefly explain what meconium is for the listeners who may or may not know. And it's just that first baby poop. It's called meconium. And it can happen when the baby is stressed. You know, having meconium in, in yep. the water might be a sign that baby is stressed. Or it might also be a sign, especially with a baby that's past due dates, like yours was, that it might be yeah. a sign of babies just more mature and pooped. Yep. 
So I'm a pediatric nurse, so I kind of know what that means. I know mm-hmm. that the babies can get sick from it. So I was a little bit worried and a little bit concerned, but I was more concerned that I just wanted my baby out. I just, I just wanted my baby out and in my arms. And so I thought that was like a good time to like be pushing and go pushing. I remember trying to do the birthing bar across my bed. I remember trying to push while I was squatting, um, which I thought was much more helpful than pushing on my back. And hindsight is twenty twenty, but I really wish I could have actually pushed and had delivered while squatting because it was so much easier for me to actually get in position and hold tight. Mm-hmm. And it was easier for me to curl myself up into a ball to help push um, my daughter out than it was for me on my back. Right. So that I feel like a lot needs to change in the way we birth. I, I felt more, much more comfortable squatting and I did squat a couple of times and I was pushing for a little while, but I only pushed for an hour and a half after my water broke, which I thought was pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, because you hear these horror stories of women pushing and pushing for hours and hours and pushing. I thought was like you give a couple good pushes and the baby's out. Well, it's like you push and the baby comes out, but it comes back in a little bit. Then you push some more and the baby comes out, but it goes back in a little bit. It's a process. It's it's not very like one two three. Give it the old college try. Which is a first time mother. I I didn't know that's how it went. So I pushed for an hour and a half and um, I I just remember the feeling and it truly is that ring of fire that you feel. But I felt like I was like, oh, my God, it hurts so bad. But it's so like it will wake you up. It will be like, okay, your baby's here. You need to focus. You need to push and you need to control your breathing. That adrenaline. Um, Yes. So that was. That was that final push for me was glorious, and we didn't know what we were having, so it was very. I was so happy, and I was just so tired and so elated um, that I actually passed out at the end of my birth. <laughs> it was for a short time. <laughs> I I remember I remember going. It's a girl. And then like completely like just passing out. Um, I was so tired, but I was so elated. And, you know, in my birth plan, I wanted her to be placed on, placed on my belly right away and a delayed cord cutting. But due to the meconium, you know, she needed to go see the pediatric team that was there to make sure that she was okay. So that, you know, my first birth is a lot of um, didn't know questions and Things don't always go as they seem, but they'll all work out in the end. Mm-hmm. So I gave birth to a very healthy eight-pound baby girl. It was an amazing birth. Like it really was an amazing birth. And now, you know, I can think, I can look back at it and laugh hysterically at about, you know, how anxious I was. But being a first-time mom is, it's one of those things that you don't know what's coming. You don't know how it's going to end. But it's really it's really amazing. And birth is really amazing. I mean, I look back now and, you know, my husband can look back and say, you did that. Like you, you did that. So comically my week long birth <laughs> ended, in, ended quite spectacularly. It did. It did. And once it got going, it really got going. You, you moved along once those, the, 
the contractions were being productive and getting you dilated. I'm looking at my notes and um, trying to like put some times behind it. And so that Friday, we we had gone on on Thursday for that acupuncture. We, and, and I love the fact that we that was a, such a long birth that we went for an acupuncture field trip like halfway into it. Oh yes. <laughs> I completely forgot. I remember getting the acupuncture done, but I can't. I forgot about the field trip. Yes, I was contracting in my car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were trekking down the road for an acupuncture visit. Yes, yeah. I do remember that. That was a trip across town that we were. We were like, well, we're we're going to acupuncture. You're not moving. We're going to do this. And I remember contracting, and I remember the ladies being very helpful and very understanding and wanting to, you know. Um, wanting to help me in the best way that they could. And it was amazing. I highly suggest acupuncture. Yes. And then there was the added bonus. Then she'd left those tacks in so we could push it. And I remember you saying about the one on your thumb, like in, in that mound of Venus, that, that fleshy part between the thumb and your uh, forefinger. Yes. That, and I don't know if you remember this, but I remember you saying that you love having that there because you could push and help your pain. And it felt like in some way you could control it. Yes. I do remember saying that. Um, I, it is because I am such a controlling person. I think it's just the, the nurse in me and just the type of person I am that it's, I like to control things if I can. And that was a good way for me to focus on something, something that I did have control over and something that I could do for my own. Um, I didn't need anybody's help to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was really nice. Do you feel that this comical birth, as you call it, helped you in the way you went into being a mother? Yes. Nothing is as it seems. And you don't have a lot of control. I mean, you don't have a lot of control over situations and you don't have a lot of control over life sometimes. And this was a very big eye opener of even though I do want control in my life and want that rigidity, it's kind of nice to just go with the flow every once in a while. And now that I have children, I have to kind of go with the flow. Um, You know, being a mom, there are good days and there are bad days. And (laughs) you just kind of have to deal with the good and the bad. And sometimes you don't know what life's going to give you. And sometimes you do have to adjust those life, big life plans. But, you know, you you pick your battles and you do what's best for you and your family. Absolutely. And you were resilient. You knew that things were okay, that your baby was fine, that it was a process that was just taking a winding road. But yeah. there wasn't anything wrong about it. No, and I was completely okay with everything as long as my baby was okay. That's all I cared about. Mm-hmm. As long as as long as the baby was okay, I I was okay. And I think even when my husband said, as long as the baby's fine, I'm okay. Like, we're okay. We'll do this. And I did like the fact that he was like, I'm in this with you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, may not, I may not be able to do this, but I'm going to be here. And I think, I, you know, a, a, a supportive partner... Um, whether it be your husband, your boyfriend, your mother is super, super important. Mm-hmm. And he was fabulous support. He was great. <laughs> he, I think he needed you more than I needed you. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, 
There were some points that he was like, I just don't know what to do with her. <laughs> no, he was great. We would talk on the phone and I would give him pointers when I wasn't there and he would keep me posted. It was fabulous. He was really, really great support. But I mean, I don't know. Looking back now, it's it's funny. It's And it matched my daughter's personality. Like that's Nina just, she does things on her own. You can't force her to do things. She comes and goes as she pleases. She's a very go with the flow and easygoing child. So her birth really matches her personality. Mm-hmm. And then your other birth was a completely different experience. And I know we wanted to talk about the first birth because of the prodromal aspects of it. But as a counterpart, you also have a very speedy birth. I did. <laughs> I, my second birth was very speedy. Um, they actually induced me because I was so post-date that they were growing con- just concerned for their baby. The baby was fine. They were just concerned that I was so past due, um, that they wanted to be proactive more than reactive, um, which I understood. And at that point, honestly, I had been pregnant for what seemed like two years straight because I got pregnant at when my firstborn was three months. So literally was still breastfeeding and was six, you know, six months pregnant. And <laughs> so I felt like I've, at the end of my second birth, I was ready. And so I went ahead and told them that I was okay with being induced. Mm-hmm. Um, got multiple doses of Cytotech. I remember being you on having you on call and, you know, they were like, oh, you know, Mrs. Online Crane, you, we just need you to sleep tonight. Here's some Nubane and here's kind of Ambien, you know, we'll see you in the morning. And that was the write-off that I got. <laughs> and I was like, I was fine with it. I was like, I'm ready for some sleep. Tomorrow is going to be a big day. They were talking about, you know, inducing me with pet or Pitocin in the morning. And, and I was ready. I, I was. I was ready. I was like, okay, I'm going to get some good sleep tonight. So my husband, I almost sent my husband home. Like I, I literally was like, go home, go sleep with Nina, you know, take care of her and, you know, just come back in the morning, come back at like six in the morning, but you get a good night's sleep in our bed. <laughs> it was, I think they gave me the drugs at 4.30 and I was still contracting and I remember calling the nurse and Dustin's like, she's still really uncomfortable. And the nurse is like, yeah, okay, you know, give it, give it a little bit of time to work. You have to kind of breathe through these contractions until your medicine can kick in and you can get some sleep. We took it at face value. And um, so I tried to get comfortable as I could in the bed. And I remember going, oh, God, I either peed myself or my water broke. And my you husband, just need to take a nap. When you take a nap, yeah. your water breaks. <laughs> yes. Every time I go to sleep, my water breaks. So I remember I looked over at my husband and was like, you need to come over here and look at this. And he was like, oh, that's your water. Yeah, that's your water breaking. And he goes, no, I think you're giving birth right now. <laughs> so he called on the phone. He calls the nurse call button. He's like, her water just broke. And I think she wants to push. <laughs> and and I felt the urge to push. Like it was like my water broke. I'm pushing. Like there was no transition. There was no like, oh, you can try and push if you want with the next contraction. It was immediate. Mm-hmm. It was my water broke. I'm pushing right now. And I turned and looked at him and I was like, we're doing this. I was like, I have to push and I have to push right now. And he's like, I don't think that's really smart. 
Nobody <laughs> told me. This I don't is not think a that's really smart. <laughs> um, the nurse comes in and she, you know, it's, it's like five in the morning and she comes moving in and she goes, okay, sweetheart, like, let's, let's see what, what's going on here. And she lifts up my, my blanket and she looks and she looks at me and she goes, oh my God, I need you to stop pushing right now. <laughs> and I was like, I can't stop pushing. And it's that, it's that urge. You, you just, it's that maternal urge, that raw urge of I, I am doing this and this baby is coming. Mm-hmm. And she sat paces the doctor and the doctor comes running in as my baby's crowning. Yep. It's just, I think my doctor had enough time to put on sterile gloves and that's about it to catch my second daughter. She came out in three good pushes. I started pushing at five o'clock on the nose and she was born at five Oh seven. So, um, I think you got there cause you're my doula again. <laughs> I think you got there about 10 minutes later. <laughs> well, what happened was, yeah. So we'd been talking on the phone all day and you had been admitted to the hospital and you weren't you know, not in labor, you're being induced. So we've been speaking and you tell me I got my first dose, nothing is happening. Then around 7 p.m., you got a second dose and contractions are still going, but there's no dilation. And then we talked, nothing was, like you said, you were almost going to send your husband home. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I, was, I didn't. <laughs> right, I'm glad you didn't. I was asleep, 4 a.m., I got a call from he gave, he called me saying you had gotten your third dose of Cytotec and you got checked. You were four. You got some new veins so you could sleep, but that you wanted me to come over. This was at four. And then yeah. your water broke and things radically changed. And I remember rushing through the hospital down the corridor and hearing a baby cry. And uh, and walking into the room and like the baby had just come out by the time I got there. Yeah. And that was within an hour of, can you come? She's getting some sleep, but come over. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it was so quick. It was like, boom, boom, boom. This mm-hmm. is happening. And this is happening now. And I, and I, they're just two completely different births. Yeah. And I, like I said, all I remember is giving like two, like, three really good pushes and my second daughter um was out and I remember I remember just screaming what is it what is it and um (laughs) because again because she was so post-state she had meconium again Uh so I didn't get the fear Mm -hmm. um and then you're like it's a girl and I was like it's a girl like I I, it was like I won the lottery (laughs) it's a girl well, you went from being four to having a baby born in an hour. In an hour, yes. Uh-huh. I remember the physician in charge telling me, next time your water breaks like that, you need to get yourself to the hospital immediately. You were already <laughs> like, at yes, the hospital. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I'm so glad you had like the contrasting and comparing, you know, two different birth stories to both awesome in their own right but so different yes it's, i mean it's just like children i mean every every birth is different every labor is different every pregnancy is different um but it's just i mean birthing my two children was probably one of the most incredible experiences of my life 
Mm-hmm. I know that's so cliche to say, but it, it's one of the most eye-opening, breathtaking experiences I've ever, ever experienced in my life. And nothing compares to it. And you rocked it both times. You do pretty good with this birthday. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm actually just pretty excited. I got through it without an epidural. Like it was pretty split. That was my that was my one thing. I just wanted to get through it without an epidural, and I did it. And it's it's amazing. And uh, you were able to control that part of it for sure. Yes, that was the one thing I was going to control. <laughs> Do you find that your second daughter also her personality is kind of like her birth or no? In a way, Lily had to be coaxed out of me um, with induction mm-hmm. and she needs to be coaxed out to do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she is such a mama's girl. Um, we had a great nursing relationship. She nursed up until she was 22 months. Um, she self-weaned, but she is like my cuddle bug. She wants me. She wants me near me. She's very, um, she's much more shy than my, my first. So even though she came out quicker, she needed to be coaxed out of me. She didn't want to leave the warmness and the, you know, the closeness to me. And you can, in life, she matches that 100%. They do. They come out with their little personalities already. Yeah. Any like parting words? Birth is an amazing ride. It is a ride that is unexpected. It's like a train ride. You're sitting in a train and you can't see what's coming. You don't know if you're going up the mountain or down the mountain. You can only see what's going past you. So you're only looking out the window at the scenery that's going past, but you don't know what's coming up ahead. It is incredible. I can't stress enough that you don't have control. (laughs) That you have to let things... You have to let things go and you have to say, okay, what's best for me and what's best for my baby currently right now in this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, I have these grand birth plans and these wonderful things that I wanted to do. And I did some of them, but some of them I had no control over. So you kind of have to let things go mm-hmm. and let yourself go a little bit. It's an amazing journey and that just to relish it and to keep it, keep it close to your heart. Because on those worst days, I look back and I'm like, yeah, I did that. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. And it's an amazing pickup. Adriana, thank you so much for sharing those stories. Those are lovely. And and letting, you know, the listeners hear them for the first time and us being able to relive them. Thanks. This experience has been great. And it's been great reliving them. It's good to relive them. Thank you so much. That was the amazing Adriana Aleman Crane, who is a mom of five, and I have had the honor to be her doula for every single one of those births. You can connect with us at Birthful Podcast on Instagram, and one of the ways to do that is to take a screenshot of this episode right now if you're not driving, and then post it to your stories, sharing your biggest takeaway from the episode. Make sure to tag at Birthful Podcast so we can see it and amplify it. You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my birth and my postpartum preparation classes, as well as download your free postpartum preparation plan. Also, if you find this podcast to be an invaluable resource for you during this perinatal period, the best way to support us is by trying out some of the wonderful products made by our sponsors 
or taking any one of my perinatal classes or doula workshops. This is what allows us to continue doing this work. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plotty. Thank you so very much for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on GoodPod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and everywhere you listen. And then come back for more ways to inform your intuition.